Chapter Ten of the Dache Diamonds. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Dache Diamonds by Richard Marsh. Chapter Ten. Cyril's friend. Miss Strong did like to go and see. She looked at Miss Wentworth with a make-believe of anger, and, rising to her feet, went quickly across the room. Admission had already been given to the knocker. There advanced towards the girl standing in the open door a man who was not Mr. Paxton. "'Mr. Franklin, I thought—' There was a note of disappointment in her voice. She stopped short, as if desirous not to allow her self-betrayal to go too far. She moved back a little so as to allow the newcomer to enter the room. This newcomer was a man of the medium height, about forty years of age. His black hair was already streaked with grey. He had a firm, clear-cut, clean-shaven mouth and chin, and a pair of penetrating grey-black eyes, with which he had a trick of looking everyone whom he addressed squarely in the face. His manner ordinarily was grave and deliberate, as if he liked to weigh each word he uttered. He held Miss Strong's hand for a moment in his cool, close grasp. "'Well, you thought what?' "'I'm very glad to see you. You know I am. But I thought it was Cyril.' "'Are you expecting him?' "'I was expecting him, but it seems he hasn't come.' Turning to Miss Wentworth, he greeted her and it was to be noted that as she offered him her hand a humorous twinkle beamed through her glasses, and her whole face was lighted by a smile. He turned again to Miss Strong. "'Have you heard the news?' "'What news?' "'Hasn't Cyril told you?' "'He told me something last night, but I really couldn't tell you quite what it was he told me, and I haven't seen him since.' "'He is in Brighton?' "'Is he?' I was informed that he was stopping in town. You were informed? By whom? By an acquaintance who said that he saw him there. Mr. Franklin waited before speaking again. His unflinching eyes seemed to be studying the lady's face. Probably he saw that there was something unusual in her manner. That is strange. I was under the impression that he was in Brighton. I have come from town specially to see him. I expected to find him with you here. He did promise to meet me to-night. He hasn't kept his promise. I don't understand why. To be plain with you, it rather troubles me. He promised to meet you? He did, most faithfully. And you have received no intimation from him to the effect that he was not coming? Not a word, not a line. Then he may be here at any moment. Something has unexpectedly delayed him. You are acquainted with him sufficiently well to be aware that had anything occurred to cause him to alter his plans, he would immediately have let you know. Your informant was wrong. I have had inquiries made for him everywhere in town, and as a result have good reason to believe that he is in Brighton. What is the news of which you were speaking? Has Cyril said nothing to you about the trumpet gold mine? He referred to it casually the night before last, in his usual strain, as having been the cause of his destruction. That really is extraordinary. I confess I do not understand it. It is so unlike Cyril to have communicated neither with you nor with me. Are you sure that he said nothing more? About the trumpet gold mine? Not a word. What was there? What is there to say? Do get it out. 
The young lady made an impatient movement with her foot. The gentleman looked at her with amusement in his eyes. She was very well worth looking at just then. Her hair was a little out of order, and, though she might not have agreed with such a statement, it suited her when it was slightly disarranged. Her cheeks were flushed. She held herself very straight. Perhaps it was her tears which had lent brightness to her eyes. They were bright. Her small white teeth sparkled between her blush-rose lips, which were slightly parted as if in repressed excitement. She presented a pretty picture of a young lady who was in no mood for trifling. I shall have much pleasure, Miss Strong, in getting it out. What seem to be well-founded rumours have reached England that gold has been found at last in considerable quantities. The shares have gone up with a rush. When the stock exchange closed this afternoon they were quoted at twelve pounds ten shillings. A little more than a week ago they were unsaleable at tuppence each. Twelve pounds ten shillings! Oh, Mr. Franklin, and has Cyril got rid of his? Not a bit of it. They are in my strong-box. There are ten thousand of them. Cyril is one of the largest holders, if he is not the largest. And what that means, at twelve pounds ten shillings apiece, you can calculate as well as I. Oh, Mr. Franklin! The young lady brought her hands together with a little clap. She turned in natural triumph towards her friend. "'What did I tell you? Now aren't you sorry for what you said last night? Didn't I say that you hadn't the faintest notion of what you were talking about?' Miss Wentworth, though, as was to be expected, not so excited as the lady who was principally concerned, evinced sufficiently lively signs of interest. "'You certainly did, and I certainly hadn't.' and while you left nothing unsaid which you ought to have said, there can be no doubt whatever that I said everything which I ought to have left unsaid. But at the same time I do beg leave to remark that Mr. Paxton need not have worn such an air of mystery. Why? Miss Strong tapped the toe of her slipper against the floor. He wasn't compelled to blurt out his affairs to all the world. Miss Wentworth shrugged her shoulders. Certainly not, if I am all the world. "'Are you also all the world? "'From what I gathered he did not make much of a confidant of you.' "'Well, he wasn't forced to.' "'Suddenly Miss Strong made a wholly irrational "'but not wholly unnatural movement "'in the direction of Miss Wentworth's chair. "'She placed her hand upon that lady's shoulders, "'and she kissed her twice, first on the lips, then on the brow, "'and she exclaimed, "'Never mind, I forgive you.' Miss Wentworth was quite as demure as the occasion required. She surveyed her emotional friend with twinkling eyes. "'Thank you very much indeed, my dear.' Miss Strong moved restlessly about the room, passing, as it seemed, aimlessly from object to object. "'It is strange that he should have kept such news to himself, and not have said a word about it, and now not coming after all?' She turned to Mr. Franklin. I suppose that it is all quite true, that you have not been building up my hopes simply to dash them down again? I have given you an accurate statement of the actual position of affairs when prices were made up for the day, as you may easily prove yourself by a reference to an evening paper. With her hands, Miss Strong pushed back her hair from her temples. After all he had lost in Eries. Mr. Franklin interposed a question. In Eries? Did he lose in Eries? 
I'm afraid he did, heavily, and then in spite of that on the same day to see his way to a quarter of a million. A quarter of a million. Did he mention that precise amount? I think he did. I feel sure he did. Charlie, didn't you hear him speak of a quarter of a million? Miss Wentworth, who from the depths of her easy chair had been regarding the two almost as if they had been studies of interesting, though contrasting, types of human nature, smiled as she replied, I believe that I did hear Mr. Paxton make a passing, and, as it seemed to me, a mysterious allusion to that insignificant sum. Then he must be acquainted with the movements of the markets. Mr. Franklin was the speaker. Though I must tell you candidly, Miss Strong, that at present I am very far from being prepared to advise him to hold until his profits reach what Miss Wentworth, in a truly liberal spirit, calls that insignificant sum. As things stand, he can get out with half of it. If he waits for more, he may get nothing. Indeed, it is an almost vital necessity of the situation that I should see him at once. The shares are in my keeping. Without his direct authority, I can do nothing with them. After all, the boom may be but a bubble. It may already have been blown to a bursting point. In the morning, it may have been pricked. Such things are the commonplaces of the stock exchange. In any case, it is absolutely necessary that he should be on the spot, ready, if needful, to take prompt, instant advantage of the turn of the market in whatever direction it may be. Or, by the time that he does appear upon the scene, his shares may again be unsaleable at tuppence apiece, and all his profits may have gone. Now, tell me, do you know where he stayed last night? At Makel's Hotel. He nearly always does stay there when he is in Brighton. It is possible, then, that he is there now, or at any rate that they have news of him. I will go at once and inquire. Miss Strong made a quick movement towards the speaker. Mr. Franklin, mayn't I come with you? He hesitated. There is not the slightest necessity. If he is there, I will bring him back with me. If he is not, I will either bring or send you news. You promise? I do, certainly. You promise that you will let me hear as soon as you can, at once, without a moment's delay? The girl put her hand to her side. Tears came into her eyes. Mr. Franklin, you don't know what all this means to me. All day long I have been conscious of something hanging over me, as it were, a cloud of catastrophe. That something very strange either has happened or shortly will happen, I am convinced. It frightens me. So if you wish to do me a kindness, you will not keep me in suspense one moment longer than you can help. Miss Strong had passed, so far as appearances went, instantly, without any sort of warning, from a white heat of excitement to almost preternatural coldness. One had only to look at her to perceive that her mind was not at ease, nor, since mental and physical conditions are closely allied, her body either. Mr. Franklin proffered reassurance. Believe me, Miss Strong, there is not the slightest real cause for anxiety. The probability is that Cyril is looking for me just as I am looking for him, that in fact we are chasing each other. Anyhow, you shall have news when I have news, and that without a second's delay. I ought to find a cab upon the nearest stand. If I do, you ought to hear from me in thirty minutes. But even if I don't, I think that I can promise that you shall hear from me within the hour. End of chapter 10